I believe that if we are honest with ourselves, that the most fascinating problem in the world is who am I? Welcome to Behind the Mind. Join Meredith Krenmar as she chats one-on-one with intriguing, inspirational and imaginative people from Australia and across the globe. In this series of candid interviews, she seeks to discover the zigzagging journeys, pivotal events, daring risks and momentous moments that fundamentally helped form the way they think and work today. Today, I am joined by Bridget Snelling, someone that I've admired from afar, from what I see is your ability to really lead into opportunities, no matter what life throws at you, your energy is absolutely infectious. Welcome to Behind the Mind. I'm so looking forward to understanding more about those big moments, risks and zigzags and what makes you, you. So thank you. Oh, thanks so much for having me. It's very exciting. Cool. Well, I want to start with probably the big thing that I hate saying things that define somebody's life because we are more than the whole point of this podcast is we are more than the bio. We are more than the things that defined us, but let's talk about a pivotal event. We're six months into your career at zero. Is that right? You were diagnosed with an aggressive breast cancer, but you're still at zero now. So talk me through that time. Yes. Yeah, I am. Oh yeah. Look, I mean, I think pivotal event, you know, cancer is definitely a pivotal event in anyone's life. And yeah, I mean, for me, it really came out of the blue. I had you know, turned 40 and gone and had a mammogram just to be diligent, even though I don't have any family history and sort of had no official need to. And that had been totally clear. And it was two months later that I found a lump. And yeah, so which was super shocking. I was like, oh, that can't be anything. You know, I've just had a mammogram. And long story short, you know, obviously it turned out to be breast cancer. And when I'd had my mammogram, actually, the doctor had written on the form to get a 3D mammogram, which is called tomosynthesis. But when I turned up for the mammogram, the radiographer had said to me, oh, no, you don't need 3D, you know, because you've got no family history. It costs more. And, and I had said, oh, I just want the best, whatever. And we just did a 2D. Anyway, long story short, I mean, we don't know, but potentially if I had had the 3D mammogram at the time, they may have picked it up sooner. So that was a bit of a kick in the guts when I found my lump and it turned out to be breast cancer. And and yeah, I mean, that moment was hideous. And I definitely had an out-of-body experience thinking, well, this doesn't happen to me. This is not going to happen to me. I, I, you know, I was just being a good person here. I was just being very proactive with my health. How does this happen to the people who are like yeah. a star on this stuff? <laughs> it's sort of easier for me now to gloss over it. But of course... Like the two-week period of getting diagnosed and all the tests that I had to have and everything were definitely the worst two weeks of my life. And now I'm, you know, I'm over a year post finishing all my treatment. I'm about to have my reconstruction surgery in a lot in a few weeks. Actually, I, you know, I can look back now and and feel there are lots of good things that have come out of the experience. But for sure, it was definitely like a shocking, life changing experience what uh, what I think is really well it's not amazing because zero is known as being human but I think that you came in in a marketing role and now you're back as you say not massively long since you've been through this chapter and you're in a much bigger role a different role like tell me about the impact of having potentially a really great boss around you at that time to have that support is just amazing Oh, look, 100%. I mean, I so I was hired by Craig Hudson, who was my boss. And, and look, when I got 
diagnosed with breast cancer, you know, I was only six months into my role and he was amazing. And look, and everyone at Zero were completely amazing to me. Really supportive. I took some time off initially because I had no idea, you know, like starting chemo, how I would feel, you know, what would happen. And I was really fortunate actually that I handled the chemo really well in that I didn't get terribly unwell and I was able to and wanted to mm. continue working as much as I could through through my treatment. And we actually went into lockdown in Auckland three weeks into my treatment, which was a huge benefit actually, because it meant that everyone was working from home anyway. So I was able to work about 70% the whole way through my treatment. And really only, I sort of took time off to have afternoon naps, which was like my my key thing through treatment. And so I was able to keep working, which was really good for me. Not everyone is able to do that because I appreciate people tolerate chemo in different ways. But Craig was amazing and really supportive. And my whole team were amazing. Everyone stepped up and I ended up sort of just doing the big stuff and delegating a lot of stuff to my team. So I was just hugely supported and I'm very grateful for Craig. Always will feel indebted to him for the support he gave me through that period. And and I'm really grateful that I was able to sort of keep working because I think it really helped my mind. I was going to say, was that focused. like a rudder for you? Like something that kept you going kind of thing, like punctuated your yeah. days? When I got diagnosed and I was going through that hideous period, the gorgeous nurses in the oncology clinic, they give you an induction. All these things that Onboarding. you go through and learn. Yeah. Yeah, the onboarding. And the nurse did say to me, she said, try and keep your life as normal as possible throughout this, if you can, because the last thing you want to be doing is sitting around thinking about cancer all day. And she was totally right. Like life was definitely different and we were in lockdown, so everything was different anyway. But having that focus and also just, you know, I was in meetings and liaising with people all the time. And I don't know, I think for me personally, that just really helped me because my days still had structure and I did take time out. I did lots of things to help me through my cancer journey, but having that focus and structure and dealing with people, you know, even though it was online, was just really good for my mental health, I think. Oh, totally. And you're still a person. And it's interesting because I was just having a conversation with a colleague. She's going on maternity leave and we're planning on bringing her back in a bigger role. And I was sort of saying that it's sad to know that many people become pregnant and screwed and feel like they're put in a corner and like they're incapable of doing something. And everybody's journey with pregnancy and what they want in life after that, you don't, no one knows what that story is going to be, but that story can be continued to thrive and to grow and be bigger and better. You don't have to be defined by other stories. And I think having somebody like Craig and Zero behind you, and then obviously, as you say, being lucky to still have the, I guess, energy to do it and a lockdown, what a gift in a weird kind of way. Because then you're not got FOMO yeah, as well, you know, like no pressure to go well, out. That was interesting. And my husband actually said to me, I mean, not that there's ever a good time to get cancer, but, you know, it was the best time really, wasn't it? And it's so true because also like the kids weren't at school, so they weren't bringing bugs home. So, look, the universe works in mysterious ways and there were definitely gifts that came out of the whole experience for sure. Totally interesting. I want to move back to, I want to go to a different country, a different continent. When you're 18, tell me about the time when you called your parents, which was obviously a long distance call in those days, would have been probably, I remember always having to use the the special code to call through on the party line to my parents. Tell me about the time when you're 18 and you told them that you weren't going to come home. From some sort of, we were on exchange or yeah, traveling? Like yeah. So what had happened is in my last year of school, I had fortunately won this scholarship to study at the Alliance Francaise in Paris. And it was like 
the cool thing i'd never been to europe and i was so excited and i left on like the third of january so this is what would have been my first year of university and i was supposed to be away for a month right and come back and start at canterbury uni and i was in paris having like the time of my life and a family friend who worked in london for a company that had an office in the south of france rang me and said hey the office in the south of france needs a gopher to like work over the next few months for the TV festival and the film festival. What do you think? I was like, oh my God, yeah, but I'm supposed to go back to university and oh my God. And I called my parents and I said, hey, I don't want to come back. You know, I've got this amazing experience. And they were, of course, slightly freaked out about their <laughs> youngest child at 18 being let loose in the south of France. Sounds amazing. But it was amazing. <laughs> and it was amazing because, you know, it was such a cool experience. And I, it was definitely one of the best times of my life, like no doubt about it. And I got the train down from, actually, I went to London first. I had to stay with family friends for six weeks before the job started. So then I got to explore London on my own as well, which was also incredible. You have the best family so, yeah, friends. So I, I think, <laughs> Yeah, totally. I definitely owe them a lot. So it was amazing. So I went down, lived in an apartment by myself in the building where my office was. And I worked for this amazing group of people who were basically like, they looked after me, took me under their wing. And yeah, worked at the age of 18, living in, in Cannes in the south of France and walked the red carpet at the film festival and just did all these amazing things that I wouldn't have been able to do, obviously, if that opportunity hadn't arisen. But it did mean, though, that when I came back, which was sort of, I think, July that year, I couldn't go to Canterbury Uni because they didn't have semesters at the time. They were Mm, full-year courses. And so I started at Auckland, did a semester, went down to Canterbury the next year for a year, and then decided I wanted to do law school back in Auckland anyway, and then came back. So I had a bit of a different start to uni, but it was amazing. I was like, yeah, so one of the best times of my life, and I have a huge affinity for France. And what did it teach you about saying yes to things? And was it just a hell yes straight away kind of thing, and you knew you were going to do it? Oh, it totally. wasn't, you weren't asking your parents, you were telling them, or was it a bit of an Not ask? Really. Yeah. I mean, I was, I think I sort of pretended to ask, but they knew that they couldn't say I couldn't do it. You know, I was 18 and also like, what an, what an opportunity. And I, I mean, I think I've definitely been someone in my life. I have always taken advantage of opportunities when they arise. You know, like I, I think things happen for a reason. I, I'm a firm believer of that, despite the ups and downs that I've been through, that things happen for a reason. And, you know, you've got to grab the ball by the horn, so to speak, and just run with it because, you know, opportunities they may not come again. And I had a, you know, I loved France. I had a huge passion for film and television. It was just like the stars aligned. And I got to go and do this super cool job and just have a really amazing experience, which, you know, I forevermore has sort of shaped me in part, you know, in terms of who I am and how I look at the world and the people I met over there are still really important people in my life. And yeah, I I just think these things come along for a reason. You've got to jump on them. Totally. And I think that whole thing of being taken under somebody's wing as well and just trusting the universe, knowing that, you know, really what's the worst thing that can happen. I see so many people, particularly young people who want to have everything mapped out. And my story is similar in that I thought I wanted to do a BA LLB because at Canterbury, because that's what you did. I wanted to get as far away from my parents <laughs> in the North Island as possible. That was kind of my my MO at the time. But I ended up doing broadcasting, which was my passion, which is probably where this podcast has come about, you know, almost 20 years later, but you went from doing film and sort of TV and Khan having this amazing experience back to eventually Auckland and doing a BALLB kind of thing. So, you know, you've <laughs> gone from like the red carpet life in this probably creative yeah. industry to BALLB and 
you did the degree, didn't you? What happened post then? Because there's a few zigs and zags yeah, going did. on here. I did the degree. Well, to be honest, I wanted to go to film school or, you know, do the communications course at AUT. And my my darling parents wanted me to get a proper degree. And so my sister had done law and my brother had done law and they were like, just do law. So my options were sort of like law or medicine. That's what I was encouraged to do. And so I did law because I didn't really know what else I wanted to do. And I really actually loved the degree. So I really enjoyed my law degree. And I did my honours in media law, which yeah. I loved. And I'd always had this affinity for film and television. And I did, actually, in my life, I have written a screenplay yeah. with my sister. But it was in development with South Pacific Pictures for four years before it got binned, which was a heartbreaking day. But it was awesome. And so I did end up working in law, and I worked in a corporate law firm for a couple of years once I finished my degree. I actually went back to France when I finished my degree and did like another almost year living in Paris, back when we could get one-year working visas still. Oh, my goodness. And then I came back and worked at this firm for a couple of years. But I quickly realized that my heart wasn't in it. And I think with law, especially corporate law, you're working such long hours. Like the first transaction I worked on, I remember coming, like being at the office, it was like midnight and my partner sent us all home, but said, keep your phones on. I think we had Blackberries back in the day. Keep your phones on because when (laughs) when the next turn of the document comes through, I want you all back in the office and I was so petrified to fall asleep because I thought what if I miss the ding and I you know so at 4am I got the call back to go into the office and it was just this crazy universe of like this, my parents because I was living with them at the time they were like this is so unhealthy like this is such an unhealthy you're like you're a new baby to a law degree <laughs> and I did it <laughs> yeah, exactly but it was just the way it was this mm. was just law and it wasn't like my partner wasn't there I mean he was there at four in the morning too you know I did it for a couple of years but I thought to myself two things. One, if I don't want to be the people who are above me and I don't aspire to sort of be them, it might not be the right career for me. And two, I wanted something a bit more creative and I just in my heart knew that I could do more. There was more out there for me. And my sister, who was a partner in in a law firm at the time, said to me, get out before the money gets good, which was very good advice. (laughs) Yeah, because then it would be really hard to make a switch when it's these treadmills of life kind of thing. And I always feel sad when I hear people in their 20s say, oh, I always wanted to go traveling, but, you know, I just need to do a few. I'm like... You can work and travel. It's plenty of time for a mortgage and it's pretty boring when you get there. Don't be that person who's 35 wanting to go clubbing for the first time. Yeah, that's it. So look, I mean, I I don't regret doing my law degree because it has like given me a really good foundation and I did actually really enjoy a lot of the work. But, you know, the whole environment just wasn't for me. Working in a corporate firm, there's been a lot. I mean, this is 20 years ago almost since I started law. There's been a lot of change. Well, I say that. There's been a lot talked about in terms of law firms and the culture. I don't know how much of it has changed, if I'm honest, but I, I don't regret leaving law. You strike me as somebody who's incredibly diligent and resilient. And I think you know, diligence, I think, is an admirable trait because a lot of people, when the going gets tough, they can't even stick it out for two. The fact that you stuck it out for two years, when probably it sounds like in your heart, you knew that this wasn't right, but you were going to get a roll kind of thing and go with it. Tell me how you got into PR. That sounds like a bit of a serendipitous moment. Are you a believer yeah. that when you start putting things out to the universe, like I'm not massive on manifestation or that sort of thing, but I do find it interesting when you start reflecting on your like, I had been thinking about this and then something came knocking. 
Yeah, it's really funny. I mean, I've sort of have become a bit of a hippie since cancer and have got more into like manifesting outcomes. Yeah. But I think, you know that movie Slumdog Millionaire? Yeah. Such a great film. And in that movie, you know, it's like he's answering these questions in a quiz and he thinks back to moments in his life where things happen and that's how he knows the answer. I have these moments now in my career where I feel like all the building blocks of certain things I'm dealing with in my day-to-day now came from things that happened years ago. And I do have this sort of strong feeling. And with law, I mean, obviously, I my heart wasn't in it. I wanted to make a change. There was this whole thing back then, at least, like you've got to do your two years of law. I yeah. mean, you can do anything. But It'll look bad your on your years. CV if you've skipped, you know? You yeah, know. you can do your two years. And, and I, at the time, look, I thought maybe I will go to London and maybe I will work in a firm. Maybe it'll be different. I looked up media law firms because I thought maybe media cool. law would be more my thing. And But then actually what happened is is I wasn't happy. I developed really terrible anxiety. I was just having a, like a not healthy life. I was working all the time. I remember looking at some of the senior associates in my firm and thinking, God, they look gray. Like their skin's gray. Sallow. Why is that? And yeah. I, maybe I don't see enough sunlight. Like, you know, so I definitely started thinking about what do I want? And then I actually, I met a guy that I really liked who is now my husband, as it turns out. And I remember thinking, oh my God, I'm never going to be able to see this guy because, you know, I was like working every weekend and, nights and that was sort of the catalyst for me to go okay I actually want to be able to go and spend time with this guy and I don't want to be working every weekend and I remember one weekend I was working and my partner said something like oh next weekend we've got this and I remember like I had a file in my hand I threw it down on the table and I said I am going to the races next weekend I have been looking forward to this for months I'm going and he was like Whoa. <laughs> Whiplash. No one talks to me like that. <laughs> I'm 25. I just want to go and like have fun and yeah. do this. And I think he knew then, uh, she's going to be out soon. Yeah. Anyway, so I met Ben and I was like, you know what? I really like this guy. It was a sign to me that it was time to change. And I went to this event and then I met this managing director of a PR firm and we were talking and I said to him, oh, you know, I'm not sure if floors for me. I'm thinking about what else I might do. And the next day he actually rang me and said, hey, look, I was reflecting on our conversation and I'd like to hire you. If you're keen to make a change, your experience would be amazing. We can teach you what you don't know. And I was like, again, opportunity universe. I have no idea if this is what I really want to do, but sounds pretty good. Sounds better than um, right now. <laughs> Yeah, and at the time I was working on a transaction for a company where we was a management buyout. So we were acting for the executives at the company who were all getting equity. And I went to the closing dinner and I remember sitting around the table that day when we were doing the documents thinking, oh, you know what, I actually want, I want to be them. I don't want to be the lawyer in the room. I want to be the person in the chair signing the document. Yeah, yeah. And I said to them at the closing dinner, I'm going to resign. And they were like, do it, get out of law. And so the next day I said, I went, yeah, I resigned. But my partner, he was amazing about it. I think he knew that I wanted something bigger and brighter. Yeah, and that's totally fine. I love the gutsiness because I'm guessing at the time it was probably like people probably didn't speak up. I mean, now it's like so much more non-hierarchical in workplaces kind of thing. It sounded like, you know, you're like, once you've made that switch, you go for it kind of thing and, you know, be able to make that zig and zag and leave something behind and embrace the new. Do you get this from your parents or from someone else or, you know, is it just built in who you (laughs) are? Have you but like, because a lot of people would pontificate over those sort of things and I'm sure you'd been thinking about it for a while. So it was not like it was like, one day I woke up and I wanted to do this, but how and why? Yeah. 
no, I don't get it from my parents. Um, my, <laughs> Do they freak out? <laughs> well, sort of. I mean, my dad, my gorgeous dad, he's a retired GP. He'd been a GP forever. My mum is a trained dietitian and, and had gone back to work when I was in my 20s. And they used to always say to me, learn to walk before you can run. Mm. And I hated that expression. <laughs> I was always like, but I want to run. I don't want to walk. And they've always been hugely supportive of yeah. me. So whatever I have wanted to do, they've supported. They, of course, were nervous after being of doing a five-year degree of making a change. But equally, they wanted me, like all parents, to just be happy. And I think my sister and brother were both lawyers, but now are not. And I am really close to them and have huge admiration for both of them. And they had also been really encouraging of me to find something that I felt more passionate about. And also I think they could just, my whole family could see that I wasn't just happy on myself. And I'm a big believer in trusting your gut. And something just didn't feel right for me in that environment. There are some people who just want to make partner and they want the money yeah. and that's what it's all about for them. And for me, that's never been a motivator. I just want to feel like I'm doing something that is important to me and I'm contributing and yeah, that just feels, we talk about it as being in alignment with yourself, you know, yeah, just yeah. feeling really yeah. comfortable with where you're at. And I think when you're not in alignment, that's when things start to go wrong. You know, you feel unhappy, you drink too much, you get mental health issues. Ultimately, I think what's really important to me is that I'm just honest with myself and I'm doing something that I feel good about. And I just didn't feel that way. And so for me, the right decision was to make a change. And yeah, the people in my life who love me supported that. I love that. It is simple advice, but so many times I think we can all reflect back on times when you're like, I knew it and I'm a big thing of gut feeling in reading a situation. And when you go against it, I get cross with myself when I'm like, I knew that at the time. Why didn't I have the gut? Why didn't I even just verbalize it? Because even once you've yeah. said these things out, suddenly sometimes you realize that people around you are also thinking this is a bad idea kind of thing. So I think having supportive people around you, even if they're not role models for it, just support that you are making the right decision for you is absolutely huge. I want to talk about, obviously you work with Zero now and you work with yeah. amazing small businesses. You've had some experience in that space <laughs> yourself, you know. So I think that, you know, we've talked about like some of the great things which have happened in your life. You say, yes, opportunities sort of roll. Tell me about a business that you started, which probably gave you a lot of lived experience for zero now. Yeah. I mean, so in 2020, when the first COVID lockdown happened, my sister and I wanted to help people. We set up a thing called Friends in Need. and we, It was more like a charity thing where we matched people like elderly and vulnerable people who couldn't go to the supermarket or couldn't do those things with a neighbor, someone in their area who could help them. And that was really amazing. Like, a, you know, we, it was very low tech, but yeah. we set up something to help people. And then when we came out of the first lockdown, I had this feeling like I really want to do something more. And there'd been so much about small businesses, you know, those who weren't online, not being able to sell, you know, just bricks and mortar, obviously they couldn't open. And so I thought, oh, well, I'll set up an online marketplace for small businesses to sell through. And I had no idea like how to do it at all. But I was like, I'm just going to do it. And you know, definitely didn't think through the detail. But I think if I had, I would never have tried it. So it's good that I didn't. Wonderful naivety. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And look, I sort of told my idea to a friend and she was really keen to get involved. And so we jumped on board and I was working full time at the time. So this was sort of took up all my nights with three young children. I was definitely overly ambitious with thinking I could easily do that. But it was an amazing experience because we built this website. I learned so much about Shopify and marketplaces and honestly spent most nights on the phone to developers in India who worked on the platform that we licensed. And 
it was an incredible experience. And when we set up this platform, we got like over 100 small businesses on board selling their products online. And it was hugely challenging. I'm not going to lie. Not just the concept and doing it, but just having the mental capacity for it in an already busy life. Um, yeah. I think that is what I underestimated. And also the toll that it took on my friendship. You know, people say, don't get into business with a friend. And I definitely wouldn't again, yeah. just because it's so all-consuming and it did take a huge amount of my physical and mental energy. And then we sadly ended up closing it down when I got my breast cancer diagnosis just because I was like, I need to simplify my life and I definitely don't need this in it, which was the right decision to yeah. make. And I don't regret it at all because I spoke to so many small business owners, went through all the pain myself of starting a small business, doing everything, ground up. I learned how to use Zero before I even worked at Zero because I was using that. So the legal ramifications and implications and just so much stuff that we know small business owners have to deal with, I lived it myself, which is why I have such huge admiration for small business owners because all the business stuff on top of doing what you love, which in my case was setting up a tech to help small yep. businesses, it's really complicated and can be really taxing. So I call it my mini MBA. <laughs> My husband and I, you know, we sort of say that's my mini MBA. Um, that, a real that, world, that a real world MBA. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was my investment in a mini MBA. But, you know, like, again, like I said before, you look at these things that happen in your life and it's like little jigsaw pieces come together and they start forming the big picture. And it's like, yeah, there are jigsaw pieces from that experience that definitely help me in what I do now. So no regrets, you know. Totally. I think choosing partners, you don't always get to choose your boss. You had a fantastic boss yeah. in Craig Hudson. You don't always know these things at the time. Choosing your life partner, yeah. choosing business partners, it's always a roll of the dice. I always say to people, you can have this fantastic interview process and we do psychometric testing, things like that. But the proof is in the pudding of like just how we actually got to day-to-day show up and what's going on in our own lives. And it takes a high degree of EQ. My business partner, Gareth, and I, I love it when he sometimes just sits me down and he's just like, this is not working at the moment. You are making me feel like this. And I'll be like, okay, well, I'm in a very chaotic space at the moment. And that's probably why I'm being like this. And I know I'm being annoying. So thank you so much. But it's really complicated to keep those dynamics of communication going. I want to talk about your husband, your life partner. He's obviously been through all of this. Does he have his own zigzagging journeys as well? And you ebb and flow with it? Um, This is actually some advice. I once went to a talk and the speaker said, if there's one piece of advice I can give you, it's choose your life partner carefully. And I remember at the time, I must have been sort of newly married, thinking, oh, that's interesting. And honestly, I will give that advice to people as well. And I don't think anyone chooses their life partner deliberately, not no. carefully. No. But someone who, and Ben does this for me, you know, he he will boost me up and he has more faith in me than I ever have in myself. You know, and I think also going through something like cancer, I remember saying to him, I'm so pleased I married you because he's very different to me. He's very calm, steadfast, whereas I'm kind of chaotic and get a little bit worked up about things. He's the opposite, which is probably why we work so well together. Back when I met him and I wanted to leave law, he was so supportive of me. And every time I've been worried about something in my career, he's been the really calm voice that has helped me have the confidence to follow my gut and make the change. So I am hugely grateful for him. He himself, I met him when he'd come back from being overseas for 10 years. So 
I, even though I'd done sort of two mini OEs in France, I never ended up going back and doing the many years in London like yeah. I thought I would because he'd done that and he'd come back and, you know, I made the decision, which was the right decision, to pursue my relationship with him mm. rather than go overseas. So he sort of had a varied career overseas and then he's worked in property now for a long, long time. And he recently went into his own business as well, probably around the same time that I moved into my country manager job. And he's loving the freedom of working for himself, although there's more responsibility. Yeah. He's doing really, really well and he loves it. I love he, it though. We're talking about, I think so often people in high level positions where there's only so much energy to go around. You have to be pretty ruthless and you get better at saying no, I think. I used to be a very much, just say oh, yes, yeah. just say yes, whereas now I've changed to like, I need to say no. That whole thing, the power of no is actually really good. But often yeah, people totally. don't own up about who are the people that support you and allow you to be that and having that life partner to do that. And the support systems around you is just so vital yeah. to being able to deal with something like cancer, make changes in your career. And you're a woman in a high level job. And I hate that we have to be like, oh, you're a woman in high level, you know, but you're doing this and you're also honoring the people around you who are allowed to be that person. We've got to talk more about the realities of it. Like people say to me, you know, you're oh, an yeah. agency, you do that. I'm like, yeah, well, we have a live-in nanny for our kids. My husband works away a lot overseas. My life would not function without that. And look, there's some sacrifices that I have to make to enable that, you know, mainly financial, to be honest. But for me, that's what works so that I can still have a life and not lose myself over it. Balance is bullshit. As we all know, juggling is impossible. You're always going to, I always just say when people say, oh, it's the juggle, I'm like, yeah, but when you juggle, you're always going to drop something. And I'm kind of just okay with sometimes, sometimes that's not so good in my life at the moment. And I'll come back to that. It's just always an an ebb and flow. Do you feel the same way in your own life? Oh, God, I could talk for hours about this. Yeah, like I'm a big fan of the outsource because I knew I always wanted to work from the very get-go when we had our son and I went back to work because I took a year's maternity leave with all three of my kids. We had nannies, full-time nannies, because for me it was just mentally I could cope better having someone at home who also did like to help with the washing and cook dinner and just made life easier. And even now still, we've had au pairs living and stuff over the years. Now we have a gorgeous nanny who's been with us for years and she just does after school and cooks our dinner and just is amazing. And my parents, I mean, I'm so lucky that we have family around us and support because if I didn't, I don't know how we'd cope. And I have a gorgeous neighbor who actually turns 79 today and she's amazing. Like she's part of the family and will come over and help and do things. You know, so it's a village. Like it does take a village. I could not work full time and my husband work full time in his job if we didn't have a village of support. You know, my sister helps my sister-in-law. We are all But you've got a mindset though. You've got a mindset of saying yes and accepting help. Whereas I see some people that their mindset is that I have to do it all or there's some shame in it. I mean, to be honest, it took me until it was only 10 years ago that I got a cleaner because I used to think, oh, well, you know, I can clean my own house. It's like, well, of course I can clean my own house, but I don't have the time to do it. So I love your ambition, Bridget. I love your energy. There's so many things from your lived experience that I think people can take away from this. Thank you so much for being on Behind the Mind with me today. You have been amazing. Oh, my absolute pleasure. It's been amazing, Meredith. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Behind the Mind. Subscribe if you'd like to hear more episodes. Connect with Meredith via email, behindthemind at becausexm.com.